Welcome to the Collecting Confidence Podcast, where we'll explore confidence, what it is, why we need it, how we get it, and how we lose it. I'm John Barrett. Hello and thanks for joining me. My name is John Barrett and today we're going to be talking to Casey Sullivan who is a fashion stylist and a coach under the name of Curating Confidence and I found her on Instagram and was fascinated with what she does mostly because I have absolutely nothing to do with fashion in my real life. So I was intrigued by what she did. Although in theater I've noticed that if you want to quickly decide who the sheriff is you pin a star on someone. If you want to decide who the attorney is you put them in a suit with an attache case. If you want someone to be a butcher you give them a white smock and a huge cleaver. And it's very easy to give someone that just immediate generalization of that's who that person is because of the way that they dress. They sometimes say the clothes make the man it's one of those things where I think that you can very easily stereotype, which isn't always right, but you can very easily decide this person must be an accountant by the way they're dressed, or this person is a librarian, or this person isn't one of those things because he's got a Def Leppard t-shirt on. How could that be the librarian? So it's very interesting to see that those first impressions that we make on someone, we make long before we hear them talk. We just see what they're wearing. So clothes are really important. And how you wear those clothes makes you feel a certain way about yourself as well. And I know that there was an article by Galinsky and Adam that was talking about students in the medical world. And when they wore a white lab coat, they had fewer mistakes. Same tasks, same people, roughly. They had fewer mistakes when they wore the lab coat because it was that personification of, I am a medical student now versus I'm just a college kid doing stuff. So those clothes that we wear make us who we are a little bit more. I know when I'm a merit badge counselor for Boy Scouts, I will wear the Boy Scout uniform to let the kids know I'm part of the overall team of scouting and to remind me I'm representing scouting. But that's an important thing, those first impressions that we get based on what people wear. So if you want to dress for success, you can. Uh, kind of like Cinderella with the ball gown. She knows she's just someone that's cleaning up around the house for the stepsisters. But when she wears that ball gown, suddenly she goes up and can dance with the prince. A lot of us aren't willing to do that. We purposefully dress to be Cinderella, to hang out in the lower places that we're not supposed to look up from, rather than dress nicely, get out of the funk that we're in, and go dress the way we wish that we could. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about dressing the part, making sure that we dress the way that we enjoy, rather than dressing how we think others do, but just the power of what we're wearing. We're going to talk with Casey Sullivan about that, so stick around. Joining me today is Casey Sullivan. Casey is a confidence coach and a personal fashion stylist. Welcome, Casey. 
Thanks, John. I appreciate you having me here. Well, this is going to be fun for me because I'm anything but stylish. So I'm probably going to learn an awful lot unless sweatpants and sweatshirts are stylish. But you help people as a confidence coach and you help people with fashion. And I want to know what does confidence mean to you? So that is a super layered question for me. Um, but from a high level, I, I would have to say confidence is kind of the journey to wholeness um, in oneself. Um, when you can look in the mirror and the first thing you, you don't see is your flaws. Like you don't pick yourself apart immediately. You don't walk into a room and immediately start um, comparing yourself to others. It's just being genuinely appreciative where you're at in the body you have. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is what you get. I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) But that is hard to do. And some of the stuff that you do is in the fashion industry. How did you get into fashion? Yeah, so I've always been the artsy kid, crafting, making things. When I was in undergrad school, before I decided to go into fashion, I had gotten a little home sewing machine for Christmas and I would go to the thrift store and buy a bunch of t-shirts and I would make myself an outfit for the next day for class. My college roommate was just like, Oh, what are you going to wear tomorrow? And I'm like, I don't know. I haven't made it yet. (laughs) So I was like teaching myself to sew off of a little home machine in my dorm room and some thrift store (laughs) t-shirts. And you would just make your own outfits. Yeah. Um, I look at pictures of them now and think, yep, I wore that in public, but I was very proud of it at those times. (laughs) How did the uh, reviews come in? How did you deal with that when people said something good or bad? You know, I owned it. I, I, I kind of relished in being a little quirky. I always have been, or if people told me they didn't like it, it made me want to do it even more. It was like, like I've always kind of been that kid or now that adult, I know that's not everybody's story. So it never, that never really bothered me, but you know, moving forward, I had the opportunity to do a little modeling before I finished college and it allowed me a chance to travel and to kind of see some different parts of the world and experience some different things. And ultimately I really hated it. (laughs) It, And not because it didn't have its blessings, but it was for somebody who didn't know they were insecure about their body. It really drove that home in a big way for me because my entire job was going day to day, day to day to new people to tell me I wasn't good enough because I didn't look good enough (laughs) or, you know, yep, you're good for this job. We'll take you on. When I decided to leave that, I I went into fashion school, which is what I ultimately wanted to do. It was kind of a, a neat segue and it gave me experience to see the industry on a whole different side. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think all of those experiences make me better at what I do now, but um, it provides a different level of empathy for me to connect with people that are struggling. So in the fashion world, when we see someone walking down the runway, wearing the newest, latest, greatest design that they're unveiling, we think that person's very confident. Are you telling me that there's some things going on upstairs in that person's head that might not be exuding confidence? Um, I cannot speak for everyone, but I can say that there's a reason that industry has such a high number of drug addictions, alcohol addictions, eating disorders. It all kind of feeds into the not feeling enough. And how do I fill that void? Because they're not finding the wholeness that I talked about from within. Mm-hmm. But you must have gotten some positive feedback from the designing your own clothes, or you probably wouldn't have continued to do it. 
Who was the support team for you? You know, I have had the great fortune of having some very awesome cheerleaders in my back corner for a long time. Even when my parents didn't fully understand what the heck I was doing or why I might want to do that, they said, okay, (laughs) we'll drive you there. (laughs) You know, my dad helped me load everything up into my Honda Accord, moved to Los Angeles at 21 years of age. So that was it. That was the sign he made. (laughs) But but I've also had some incredible, incredible friends really kind of catapulted in college with some people that I met and then moving into people that I met while in fashion school and beyond. So uh, mm-hmm. and, and even moving forward now as as my journey has continued, I've just had the greatest fortune of amazing community and friends around me, my sister, my parents, like that just have all been like, go get it. Do do your thing. <laughs> so and as you've been working as a confidence coach, have you seen that the people around the person you're dealing with are very important? Is that a huge factor in their confidence? Yeah. Well, the, so how I kind of segued into confidence coaching was I had, well, let me, let me back up and first answer your question. Yes, absolutely. It does. And sometimes it's not even people that are still relevant in their life. We as humans hold on to stories. Um, we create our identity around things we've heard, things we've been told, things we see on repeat. And we have this exterior that our culture puts out there that seems to be the thing of the time. And it kind of shifts over years and decades, but there's always something to strive for in a cultural, idealistic mindset. And if we've had people comment, even people like you're like, I've come up with stories working with people in their closets, all the, all the things come out in the closet, right? So I joke saying I'm a closet counselor, you know, people that are like, oh, my mother told me I looked terrible in orange when I was eight. So I, I can't wear orange. And I'm like, but do you really believe that? Like, but it is. And, and that's just a simple explanation. But yes, we, we are definitely products of the people around us and the things we're hearing and the stories we've told ourselves for years sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say my, my mother was into what colors you wear. And I, I went off to uh, the University of Minnesota where I was a cheerleader. And my mom said, well, you can't go to the U of M. They, their colors are gold. You're a winter. You can't do that. So she was, she was all set to pick my schooling based on what colors the, uh, the school was. So, so how did you get from doing your own, being a seamstress at school to modeling, to getting into the fashion world? And, and in, how did that lead into confidence coaching? Yeah. So in school, I had the opportunity to take on some really great internships, which led to some jobs in the fashion industry. And I had the opportunity to work in lots of different areas from visual merchandising and PR to um, hand rendering sketches for designers, pattern making, sewing, all these little things. And it was great. I loved it. A fashion school I loved. It was such a good fit for me. But what I didn't like in the workforce was you go and you get a job and you're like, either this or that. So you're pattern making all day for somebody or you're designing flat sketches for somebody all day. And that's your role. By happenstance, I had, um, I was bartending through college at the time. And one of my regulars, who's a a good friend of mine still, her and her husband both, she was a wardrobe stylist in California because there's so much film going on there. And she just had a special project. And she said, I need a little help. I don't actually make clothes from scratch. I style. Can you help me with the project? And I was like, 
Uh, let me see if I have time for Disney real quick. Uh, no. um, <laughs> yes, yes, I am all in. What do you need? <laughs> and it was just kind of from that opportunity that I was like, I love wardrobe styling. This is so cool. So I had the opportunity to work on some other little indie films and some short films and some commercial work and some photography, fashion stuff and all of that. And I really fell in love with it because particularly with film, you get this script and you read out the script and you pull out these characters and you get to develop what they look like on screen and get to work with different body types and different people to dress them to create this scene for people. And I really, really loved that. It was different every day. You could source materials, you could shop, you could send stuff off for design. And it just was amazing. And I was at the top of the world thinking I was going to make some name for myself in this industry. And then I got really, really sick. <laughs> I had some health issues kind of creep in and nobody could quite figure out what was going on. But among other issues like chronic pain and, and, you know, having times where I was passing out because I couldn't figure out what was going on. I wasn't digesting food well. So I wasn't gaining nutrition well. I put on a hundred pounds in nine months. And when you go from making money off of your image to in, in an industry that's still very visual, putting on a hundred pounds in 18 dress sizes in less than a year, my self-confidence plummeted. And I, it, I, I just kind of spiraled into this depression. Like doctors couldn't tell me what was wrong. You find out real fast who your friends really are. <laughs> so like my whole world was just kind of crumbling in front of me and I didn't know how to I didn't know how to pick it up again. And I was, I was too in my own woes to see past that struggle at the time. So again, my very loving parents were like, Hey, come home. We'll help you out. <laughs> and I really didn't know what else to do. So I did, I moved back to Texas and, you know, I started um, seeing doctors and kind of getting some things figured out on the medical front. And it took a long time. And at that point I was just like in my own head in this really dark little space. So I was at some research stuff down in the Dallas area at one of the hospitals doing some testing. And my mom was with me and my wonderful mother, she's a nurse. Fashion has never really been a thing she cared much about. You know, it was like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> Drugs, I'll be fine. Yeah. And I probably hadn't gone shopping with her since middle school at this point. So we were in between stuff and we had like five hours to kill. And she goes, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I want to go back to the hotel and I want to wallow in my self-pity. <laughs> I mean, that was kind of where I was at though. And um, she goes, no, we're going to go shopping. And I'm like, my mom wants to shop? Why the heck does my mom want to shop? What is wrong with her? <laughs> I thought I was being tested for stuff. It was a mother's intuition is kind of what I thought. She knew what I needed to get out of my own way. And that was getting back to something that was my craft and my, my area of creativity and, and how I spoke to the world was through fashion. Mm -hmm. And I had buried myself in layers of black fabric for the last three years because I was just not feeling great. <laughs> so it was literally in that moment and playing around, she goes, okay, here's the deal. You have to get at least a couple things with color in it. Mom, I don't wear color anymore. It's dead <laughs> to me. <laughs> But it, but it was that moment where I'm like, what am I doing? This is what I'm trained in. This is what I've done for other people. Why am I not doing it for myself? Fashion, like any other art, is all about balance, proportion, and line. And how balance and proportion and line sits on your body creates anything you want to create. And I was like, I, I can be my own canvas. Like, what the heck am I doing? 
And that's kind of how that catapulted me into moving that direction. Mm-hmm. It wasn't for quite some longer time where I, I call it my first accidental client <laughs> that um, I found my way to kind of what I'm doing now. And I had basically dressed myself out of depression is for lack of a better term. And, and there was other things that went into it, right? It was, it was doing the internal work also. It, it's not just clothes. You have to, you have to meet your outside with your inside at some point. I had a, a friend that was like, I know somebody that really needs your help. And she needed a formal dress for an event and had recently experienced breast cancer. And she'd had a double mastectomy and had lots of scar tissue and was just very insecure with her image at that point that, that major life transition. And she was just feeling so down, but this event was incredibly important to her and her husband. Her husband was receiving an award for service. And I just, I could recognize where she was in that pain. And I thought, nobody, nobody deserves to be there. And we all have our different stories and how we get to where we are with our own self-image and and some people's versions are more extreme or sound more extreme, but it doesn't make it less valid in how you're feeling. And it was just that experience of getting to help her in like a four hour afternoon at the mall in Amarillo, Texas (laughs) to get her a dress that she's like, I feel pretty. I feel pretty. And I was like, Oh, I want everybody to feel pretty. (laughs) And that's, that was kind of the beginning of the end for me. You've gone on to help people with confidence in part with their wardrobe. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's transitioned over the years. The more client work I did just on wardrobe, the more I started to realize there's a much deeper layer that wasn't being talked about. And it was, that was the interior story, right. That I mentioned before the, the internal piece of, well, wardrobe is a quick win. It's what I I call a cultural quick win for us. We can, you know, change clothes and instantly see a difference in the mirror. And we're like, okay, I feel good. That instant gratification only lasts so long. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I don't feel good anymore. So now I have to sit with my clients and say, we've got you these quick wins here. You can see it possible for you. Now, what are you still struggling with? Let's work through those stories. And that's, so I use wardrobe as a tool to get people started. I don't think some people even realize how insecure they are. And so again, we get into the closet and it all comes out. So... (laughs) It's, it's getting to start there and then to get to go into the coaching and saying, but really what's going on and how can I help you pass that point? Because it's those moments that make true transformation. It's being able to say, even on my bloated days, I'm okay. Like I still feel good. What I say a lot is there's a, I always butcher his title. He's not a psychologist, a physiologist, maybe mm-hmm. Carl Rogers. Anyways, he says, it's the paradox of being able to accept where you are now so you can then change. And and that's truly what it is. It's being able to say, okay, I have goals. I don't have to give up on those goals, but today I still deserve to feel good. And how do I do that today? I know that some of the times when we make a choice on what we're going to wear, especially if we're lounging around the house or if we're depressed, we get a bond with those clothes and the depression that surrounded them. And I have a pair of sweatpants that I must have worn non-stop for a great length of time while I was unemployed because when I put them on the other day 
I had these instant flashbacks to the depression, the sadness, the loneliness, and it was an interesting thing. And I, I hung on to the sweatpants, but I chose not to wear them that day. So it's, I think there's a lot of power in the clothing and the choices we make and the memories we have with them. Uh, you- no, that was it. Yeah, I was just agreeing with you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, you know, there's an age old saying that's like dress how you want to feel. And there's, there really is power in that. Um, it's, it's like fl- flipping a switch in your brain. Last year, of course, with the pandemic hitting and everybody all of a sudden just stayed at home and didn't go anywhere. And they're like, well, why do I need clothes? And then I have people like, I'm just not as productive as I normally am at work. I don't, I can't quite figure it out. And I'm like, did you put on pants today? Because <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't try it, it's, it's, you know, we have these routines for most people that are in the workforce, they get up, they might get their coffee, brush their teeth, but you know, then they're putting on their clothes and they're getting ready for the day. And that is that mental trigger that you don't even recognize. And when all of a sudden you're not doing that, your brain hasn't turned on fully. It doesn't know it's activated for the day. I haven't done my routine that I've been doing for the last 20 years. Why would I be wanting to go to work now? <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's some of those little things that people don't really recognize are so powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, really working on intentional thinking with my client. And a lot of what we wear the clothes for is either to feel good, I guess, or to have other people think that we look good. And yeah. We kind of want to, I don't know, either impress them or a lot of times you dress the part. If you're going in for an interview, I wear a suit and tie. When I'm at home, I don't wear a suit and tie, but you dress for that part. And that first impression when you're trying to show up somewhere at a meeting, a Zoom meeting, whatever, that first impression is powerful. Can you talk a little bit about that and how the dress impacts that? Yeah, absolutely. So the what I say a lot to people, to, people or clients or anybody is you are a walking billboard for yourself. Unfortunately, personality is not the first thing people see. So whether the other person recognizes it or not, they are making an immediate perception of you in that first moment. So unless you are residing in a nudist colony, you have to wear clothes in our society. It's, it's like culturally a thing, right? So, so why are you not using that as a tool to elevate yourself? You have to wear it. You have to own it. And it's not about materialism or vanity. You don't have to go out and buy the most expensive brands. It's about putting thought and attention into yourself and showing that I'm going to put attention into myself here, which means I'm going to put attention into detail into my work. And there's just this unwritten bond in, in people and how they understand and perceive that, you know, if somebody rolls out of bed and shows up at a job interview or even for work for the day and they're slept in the shirt they're in and it's all wrinkled, all of a sudden you're like, do I really trust you with my accounting? Can you, can you organize a spreadsheet? I don't like it. So it's just some of those things are very powerful on such a subconscious level. They're so ingrained into our thinking and particularly for people, business owners that are representing their own brands. Are you representing your brand well? Are you, you're saying this about your brand, but you're showing this about your brand. You, you want to have some congruency because it, it makes the whole story more authentic and more congruent for people. Mm-hmm. And then a, a lot of, like I work with a lot of women in corporate settings in male dominated fields. They're already kind of coming from a place of a little bit of inferiority that's built into them, some insecurities around that. And how do they 
authentically show up as themselves and own the fact that they're, you know, this bold, beautiful woman in a room of 60 men in an office or board meeting or whatever, but they still have value to the table or they wouldn't be there. And how do I empower them through that with those little things like thinking through your wardrobe, having a wardrobe curated to make you feel the most confident. Mm -hmm. And that self-doubt, that inner voice is very powerful. And sometimes if you go past the mirror and you see yourself looking good, looking sharp, that inner voice doesn't sound quite as loud. Uh, one of the things that I think is interesting, and I people talk about imposter syndrome, and when you put on, like I, from time to time, for various reasons, will put on a tuxedo. And I'm so not a tuxedo person, but I, I sing in a barbershop quartet, and we do singing Valentines, and I show up in a tuxedo. And it's like, this is, this is not me. I'm not a tuxedo person. I'm a sweatshirt person. But I know that people, I, I was a theater arts major, and so I know you can put on you know, costume change and suddenly you're a whole different person, literally a you know different person than you were two minutes ago out on stage. And so I guess I got used to the fact that people dress to seem different or be different. But a lot of people, even though they put on that business suit, don't feel like a business person or whatever it is. So they're suffering from imposter syndrome. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think gone are the days that there's not some wiggle room in what's considered corporate dress or professional dress, our culture has become so very casual. There, there's pros and cons to that in my personal opinion. But I think for how I work with clients and what I say is we need to find what is important for your office culture or your work culture. And we need to find what's authentic to you and we need to merge them because that's how you show up as as who they want you to be and who you actually are. And there's ways to do that with subtleties. If, I mean, if your office requires a suit and you're just not a suit person, there's only so much I can do to be like, well, you still gotta wear a suit, your boss says, so I'm very sorry. But how can I create subtleties within that suit? How can I get you suiting that you're really comfortable in? And some of it's just, they don't know how to find stuff that fits them. And so it's uncomfortable. So fit is so important for how a garment looks and how you feel in a garment. So just being able to educate people on getting the right fit sometimes really alleviates some of that imposter feeling because when the clothes don't fit, I feel like a clown. Well, your jacket's four sizes too big. <laughs> so like, let's find one that actually fits you and maybe you'll feel a little better. So it's really just finding the things that are going to create authenticity for them within their office or work culture. Uh -huh. And are things, are there things that you're seeing now that maybe you weren't seeing before the pandemic? Are there areas of either self-doubt, self-worth, self-confidence, whatever that you're seeing now that weren't around before? One of the things I would say I've seen a lot more of is men being more vocal about being insecure. I think men have always had insecurities just as women have, but I've had a lot more men being willing to vocalize them with me lately. And a lot of that's due to them. All of a sudden now they're going back to their offices and none of their office clothes fit. <laughs> and like, what do I do? <laughs> that is definitely a, a little bit of a shift I've seen. And just, you know, last year created a whole ripple in the entire industry. I mean, look at the luxury matching lounge sets we have. That <laughs> I, You know, those things, I don't know if they would exist like they do today if last year hadn't been what it was. Hmm. So 
I definitely know it has created kind of a shift in the couch office attire. Mm-hmm. How do you blend the professional and the loungewear? And mm-hmm. apparently matching lounge sets are the answer for many people. <laughs> so The Zoom, although we've seen a lot of bad things happen on Zoom when people thought their camera was off. I think it is interesting because now everyone's essentially a television reporter where they have to have the suit and tie on up top, but they can have on the Bermuda shorts down below if they want. Right. So never quite. In fact, I had a, I had a person that, uh, at one of the places I was working that said, okay, everybody stand up for a second so we can see what you're really wearing. And they're no, I don't, I don't think I want to, no, I'm not gonna. So there is a certain casualness. You're talking about insecurities and people being insecure. And I think, especially where we're on zoom and you don't get that, feedback you don't get all of the nonverbal communication that you would get in a regular discussion mm-hmm. i think there's going to be a lot more insecurities i don't have any insecurities but what have you heard about me no i just uh you know I just, yeah i i think that uh i think that there's a lot more because we don't have the bonding that we perhaps used to have which right or wrong gave you that sense of security and and acceptance Mm-hmm. But now we don't have that. It's not, that's not the way our culture is. So I think that we'll probably see more. That was one of the things I was thinking of is we're not, we don't feel confident because we don't know who's talking about what anymore. So we don't know if they're talking about me, we get some paranoia. Yeah, there is definitely um, a disconnect in a lot of things I see in people for sure. Mm-hmm. For me, and I have a, a friend that kind of jokes with me, he's like, you're the you should have been a di- like a diplomat or something because you always have the most diplomatic answer because he'll, he'll try to like goat me into like saying something that's like, Oh my gosh, that's so tacky. I can't believe they'd wear that. But I don't actually walk around looking at people like that because that's not how I view fashion. So he'll be like, what do you think of these? And I'm like, I think if that person likes them, they should wear them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's like, that's such a diplomatic answer. Like, just tell me what you think. But my job, and, and not everybody's my ideal client, right? If you don't have any insecurities around clothes, then you don't need me. But there's so many people that do, or so many people that I think there was a study done by the National Health Organization in 2018 that 85% of women and like 70 something percent of men admittedly had body dissatisfaction. Admittedly, and the numbers have gone up since COVID, obviously, but they were unhappy with themselves physically in some manner. That's a really high number. And if I can help you de-emphasize those insecurities by using, again, something you have to have anyways, your clothes, Mm -hmm. then it helps you get out of your own head a little bit. It helps you step into a room with just a little bit more confidence to be like, man, I was already awesome. Now I'm just a little extra awesome. And then you go chase after your very ambitions. You know, it's those insecurities that hold us back from asking somebody on a date or asking for the promotion we deserved 10 years ago or you know, anything, anything at all. But if, if I can get people past that, then, then that's my goal. Mm-hmm. But if people aren't struggling on that level, then if they want to wear Crocs, I'm super happy they're rocking Crocs. <laughs> like... <laughs> what a lot of people have, a fear of judgment, which, as you've seen from my pictures online, I don't necessarily have an incredible fear of judgment. And as I've seen from your pictures online and from your story of making your own clothes and, well, this is what you get. You don't seem to have that fear of judgment, but there must be people out there that really struggle with that. Oh, so much so. 
I think in a lot of ways, we're all people pleasers to an extent. Some people about certain aspects of their life more than others. Some people are really good at setting boundaries in other places, but then they let all these things creep in. And, and it, it, it does go back to what are you hearing as a kid? What are you seeing? What, what are those stories that shaped you? You know, my story with modeling that really like screwed with my head because I had, I had unknowingly put my entire self-worth in my reflection. And so when that reflection changed and I thought it wasn't good anymore, I felt horrible about myself. And our culture has aligned itself in a way that I think it promotes that very heavily. And people consume that day in and day out. And that creates a comparison issue or the fear of being judged issue. I don't, I don't look like this girl, you know, what are they going to think of me? And, and that's unfortunate because we all have such unique gifts and talents and such unique beauties. And how boring would it be if we all looked the same? Mm-hmm. Like that was my argument for private school when I was a kid. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> uniform. You want me to look like the girl next to me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I want to be myself. What is this nonsense? <laughs> Can it I would be you? interesting to see how people would dress if they were allowed to dress by themselves without the fear of judgment and without having to fit into social norms, see what people chose. Yeah. I actually asked that question on, I can't remember if it was a post or my stories a few weeks ago. I was like, what would you wear if you weren't concerned about what others thought of it? Like, go put that on today and tell me how you feel. (laughs) It's like, I, I really, it's a curious social experiment to me. Like, what would you wear if you didn't think anybody cared? Mm hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that and social media is very verbal about uh, making comments about what you wear or don't wear. And it's not safe to post and hope that people all like you because they won't. They won't all like you. So there is a need for that inner strength to get over what other people say and not listen to it. I've had a couple of guests say, I don't listen to it. That's on them. I just show up. I do what I do. And if they want to judge and comment, that's fine. They can. I don't care. Don't listen. And that's a beautiful place to get to. And so then the question is, particularly for me as my, like serve my clients is how do I get them to that place? How do I get to them to that place that they're like, that's on them. If they want to judge me, I'm showing up as my best. I'm doing this and I feel pretty dang good. So I have no responsibility for how they think, but that's a hard concept for a lot of people to live by. And, and that's why I say so much intentional thinking. Mm-hmm. If you can't immediately tell me you feel good about yourself, if you feel good in your own skin, then let's start with one thing. Go stand in the mirror, pick out one thing you like, say it out loud to yourself. I know it sounds silly, but it's that intentional thinking and doing it on repeat and saying, oh, in two weeks, that one thing is like, yeah, I do like that one thing. What else do I like about myself? And it's just building that repetition and that muscle memory of finding the good in yourself as opposed to picking apart the things you think are less than it's easy to find those bad things and and it's also easy to find people that will point out those bad things for you yeah so, we're not kind to each other that's for sure i know in, in toastmasters when we're giving evaluations of each other rather than say all the bad things that you did we try to make it uplifting and supportive and say, I really liked how you used your gestures. I liked how you used that analogy. And we tell them the things that we liked and then make suggestions on going forward. You could try this or that, but we do try to keep it very uplifting. And it's like the only place in my life where it's, it's happy feedback. Yay. 
Yay, happy feedback. Supportive people. I love that. But I think like to Toastmaster's point, and I've never gone through the program, but so many people have a giant fear of public speaking. So if you're doing this class and they all they do is criticize you, I think your fear is just going to get worse. <laughs> right. Why am I showing up to this again? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting mentally abused every time I walk yeah. in. No, it's it's a very safe place. Our club is a very safe place. But I do notice the extreme difference between the safeness of our club versus the troll-like atmosphere of the internet, for example. And I I very much, I, I reached out to you over Instagram and I appreciate you coming on. How can people follow you, find out more about you or get you for a coach? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking. So uh, everything's curating competence. Instagram handle has an underscore between the words. So it's curating underscore confidence. Everything else, uh, website, Facebook is all just curatingconfidence.com. On my website, on both my social media platforms, there are links that you can directly go on to and just book a free call. It's just a complimentary discovery call. Find out if, if it's intriguing to you and you're just like, I need to know more, like schedule time with me and we'll have that conversation. You know, we'll kind of understand what's going on for you and why you think that you are interested in this. And, and if I am able to serve you or if I'm not, and I can recommend something else. The ultimate goal is to get people to a place where they just feel good about themselves mm-hmm. and they take care of the rest after that. Mm-hmm. Well, I love watching your pictures on uh, Instagram. You look like you're having fun. You look like you like who you are and what you're wearing. And it's like, huh, look at that. So, <laughs> I am having fun. That's for sure. Yep, very, very much appreciate that. Uh, before we go, is there a tip that you can give people to help them to gain or maintain their confidence? There's so many. Where do I start? I, I think the most powerful one I could say is the intentional thinking. If it just takes one thing, start there. And if you don't know where to start with yourself, if you are truly at a point, because I know people that have been there because I've been there myself, I would have ranked myself on the negative scale at one point in my life. If you don't have something, go to a loved one. You know, I don't know if you ever watched uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in the what 90s maybe, but phone a friend, like go to a loved one and say, what do you like best about me? Like, and, and start there, borrow somebody else's confidence until you have yours you know, lean on somebody that you trust. And if you need to lean on somebody like myself or somebody else that works in this space, dive in. There is no shame in saying, I can't do this alone. I would like a hand up. Mm -hmm. I saw a very interesting thing the other day, a friend of mine posted online. She was working with a mentor and was asked to reach out to people and have them say a word or two or three about her. Just what do you think of when you think of me? And I thought, wow, that could go really horribly south for me. But she's she's a wonderful person. And so it made it made for a really good, interesting feed to see all these people saying all the wonderful things about her. And I thought, wow, every once in a while, we should we should do that. Yeah. And you know what? Again, to your point, there are trolls out there. Be conscientious of who you're asking for feedback. Not all feedback is valuable feedback. Some people are just mean. So if you know somebody's like, don't seek out the person you know is going to tell you the lie you're already telling yourself just because you want to validate that lie. That's an easy slippery slope to get into as well. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much for being here and sharing all this with us. Thanks so much for having me and reaching out to me and for, um, you know, following along my 
silly little I feel bad that I didn't dress up in my tuxedo, but I knew whatever I wore, I would. I did love your mixed media plaid. I actually have on plaid pants right now in honor of your mixed media plaid outfit. (laughs) Yes. Um, Don't confuse confident with being correct. Yeah. no, uh, That was for, there was a uh, plaid picnic that the Minnesota State Parks was doing. And so we had plaid tablecloth, plaid plates, plaid cups. We actually took and cut up the meat and the lettuce and the cheese and made plaid patterns on the sandwich with the, Wow! I know, or nothing in moderation in my house. So I love it. Go big or go home. Yeah. That's such a Texas thing. I'm, you know, you're in (laughs) Minnesota, are you sure? (laughs) Well, invite me down anytime. Yeah, no, except not in the summer because I remember I had a friend down there and it was very hot. So, but Well, thank you very much for joining us and thank you for sharing this and best of luck with your stuff going forward. I appreciate it. You as well. I'll be excited to hear future people and what they have to offer us too. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you very much. Take care and have good holidays. Bye-bye. Today's confidence tip is to dress the way you want to dress. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can get more information about confidence and check out the merchandise store on the website at collectingconfidence.com. If you like what you heard, subscribe and pass the link along to a friend who needs to collect confidence. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It's one of the only ways to know if I'm doing a good job. Another way to let me know is to go to the support page. Consider making a small monthly pledge. A pledge as small as the cost of a cup of coffee each month goes a long way to keep the episodes and the information coming your way. The last way to let me know what you think is to drop by our Facebook page or send me an email at john at collectingconfidence.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you. Now let's go collect confidence.